Sentire Media. Hello you, you're listening to A History of Italy. Episode 113, The Definitive Death of Communal Milan. 1339-1354. Well, well, it's been a while. Apologies for that if you are following regularly. If not, you've had the opportunity to catch up. Good for you. I'd just like to point out that I participated in the recent Intelligent Speech Conference. Don't know what I was doing there, considering it was Intelligent Speech, but anyway. And I had one of those golden opportunities. I got to meet one of my heroes, one of the two or three podcasters that made me want to podcast. That is David Crowther of the History of England podcast, which is still going strong at more than 300 episodes. Still a really great listen I'm sure you probably already listened to his podcast, but if you don't, get over there and do so. Eat up those 300 plus episodes and learn all about the great history of that great nation. At the conference, I even had the opportunity to take a sort of selfie, let's say. Since we were all remotely connected from home, at a certain point, our images were side by side and I grabbed the opportunity to take a selfie with David. Lovely opportunity, shout out to his podcast, and there may be a collaboration in the future, who knows. Thanks also to the great people over at the Intelligent Speech Conference, Roy Field Brown, Benjamin Jacobs, and all the great people that worked on the conference. I really enjoyed it. Before we get back to our humble little podcast, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Brush. Brush is an electric toothbrush, would you believe, that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. I've always given great importance to brushing my teeth, and although they're going a bit wonky with age, they're still lovely and clean. It has powerful sonic technology, which sounds awesome and science fiction-y, and ultra-gentle bristles. The brush redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's like that feeling when you've just left the dentist. A fresh, whole mouth clean every single day and without feeling depressed about all the money you spent on the dentist. Our listeners get 15% off their total purchase with code POD15. That's P-O-D-1-5. Follow the link in the show notes and enter the code POD15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine. Also, you get to say BRUSH all the time. It sounds really cool. That's what is spelled B-R-U with the two dots on it, the umlaut U-S-H. So look for BRUSH online or click through in the show notes to get your Brush today and start brushing your teeth in the best way possible. In the last few episodes, 
we spent some time wandering around in Rome and down south in the kingdom of Naples. We last left the north back in episode 108, and all those Milanese and Veronese and Ferraresi and Venetians and so on are sitting there plotting and scheming and just waiting for us to go back and see what they are up to. So, let us start with the city of cities, the modern-day financial capital of Italy, Milan. We spent a lot of time with Azzone Visconti, who had been the de facto ruler of Milan, although still under the pretense of communal administrative structures. He had managed to foil the plans of Pope John XXII and his alliance with France to try and crush the growing influence of the Visconti and Milan. He had also managed to see off an expedition of John of Luxembourg, with all of the messiness that it had caused in the various Signoria of Northern Italy. Just a quick reminder, the Signoria were the single-family rule systems that were being implemented in many ex-communes of the peninsula, and by now were practically everywhere. Azzone Visconti died on the 16th of August 1339. The very next day, the Gran Consiglio, the Great Council of Milan, elected a joint rule system made up of Giovanni and Lucchino Visconti. Giovanni was a man of the cloth, and very soon after his election to the role of the city, he was also made archbishop. Although the Visconti had had influence over the city of Milan now for over half a century, it is really with Lucchino that we can toll the death knell of the commune of this great city. As an alternative to the two brothers, there were also some spares, three nephews, Matteo, Galeazzo and Bernabò. We'll just leave them waiting for the moment. Now we mentioned that the nomination of Lucchino and Giovanni was a sort of almost official end to the communal authority in Milan. That doesn't mean that everyone was going to take it lying down. Indeed, almost immediately after the transition of power, a plot to overthrow the new government was discovered, headed by a man called Francesco Pusterla. It was discovered because one of those who had been involved, eager to get in the good books of the Visconti, blabbed on the others. Now, the conspirators were captured and punished, but Lucchino opted not to go too hard on anyone. After all, if he wanted to consolidate his hold over the city and set up a lasting dynasty, he could not be continuously looking over his shoulder. Goodness knows that the Visconti would spend the next half a century doing that anyway. While on the topic of peace, the Visconti could never really get anything done as long as they were at constant war with the Pope. Therefore, in 1339, the Visconti reached out to the papacy. The peace process took absolutely ages, with notaries going back and forth and money changing hands and lands being promised and finally, around 1342, with Clement VI on the papal throne, everything was once again sorted, for a while at least. Now, as an example, I'm going to tell you 
something about the wheelings and dealings of the Visconti in northern Italy in this period. We won't go into all the situations, the plots, the alliances, the secret plans, the leagues with varying allies and so on. I'm just going to give you an example and then you can take that, change the dates and the participants over and over again and have a vague idea of what was going on in the 14th century in northern Italy. And if you want to extend it, also central and southern Italy and parts of Europe while we're at it. Indeed, we will see that the Visconti will take the issue of northern Italy and make it a European one. Northern Italy was in a rather confused situation in which almost everyone was at the same time friends and enemies with everyone else with continuously changing alliances. Just to give you an overview of some of the most important players, we had the Visconti of Milan controlling many surrounding cities, the Della Scala in Verona and surrounding cities, the Este in Ferrara and other cities of Romagna and Emilia, the Gonzaga in Mantua, Venice in the east slowly moving inland, the Marquis of Monferrato in Piedmont, and on the other side of him, the Counts of Savoy, and then Genova over on the west coast. Now at the time in which Giovanni and Lucchino came to power in Milan, one of the issues threatening the delicate balance of power was presented by the cities of Parma and Lucca, which were still held by the Della Scala of Verona. A chap by the name of Azzone da Correggio, who had been in the service of the Visconti of Milan, left the service of the Visconti of Milan to join the Della Scala. He was sent by them up to deal with the Pope, but on his way back he stopped off in Milan and made a secret deal with the Visconti. He would take Parma from the Della Scala in his own name and then turn around and sell it over to the Milanese. Meanwhile, Mastino della Scala, signore at the time of Verona, saw the writing on the wall. Partly also because an anti-imperial league was forming against him as one of the few remaining supporters of the Holy Roman Emperor at the time in northern Italy. I say at the time because that was also something that continuously shifted. He decided to try and get out of the situation he was in by chopping off Lucca, which was just a headache anyway. He decided to sell it to Florence for a nice tidy 200,000 florins. However, not too far from Lucca was Pisa, who was not at all happy about Florence getting its dirty hands on Lucca and feeling surrounded, and so Pisa decided to go for the slightly cheaper option of laying siege to the city of Lucca, and they were helped in this by Milan, who was now looking to counter the manoeuvres of Verona and Florence. In the end, Pisa did manage to take the city, but by then Milan had decided they weren't happy with Pisa having all that influence and started to manoeuvre to get it away from them again. While all that mess was going on, all hell broke loose in Parma. Azzone da Correggio, who was supposed to hand the city over to the Visconti, after four years decided instead he would sell it for 70,000 florins to the Este of Ferrara. 
Milan was obviously really annoyed with this and decided to attack the lord of Ferrara, Orbizzo d'Este. That's how another lovely little war broke out with the Visconti allied with the Gonzaga of Mantua on one side and the Este of Ferrara, the Pepoli of Bologna and the Della Scala of Verona on the other. Battles and standoffs ensued until around 1346 and then everybody became friends again in time to pick on poor little Mantua who, however, managed to resist the onslaught of the Della Scala from the north and Ferrara from the south while Milan sat on the fence. In the end, the only things that actually changed hands were the cities of Lucca and Parma. Once again, I do not expect you to remember all of this. Take it as an example and imagine this sort of thing going on for decades and decades. We will leave the details from now on and be a bit more generic about how things went. I have mentioned this before in the podcast. If we really wanted to go into detail, we would have to do a separate podcast for every part of the Italian peninsula. It may happen that one day in the distant future, when a history of Italy is finished, we could go back and go into greater detail in the varying regional stories. For now, that is a job for another day. By 1349, Lucchino Visconti was greedily looking towards the west, to Piedmont and Genoa, when he died on the 21st of January, 1349. We know that nothing gets in the way of your expansion west into Piedmont, like your own death. This meant that his brother, Archbishop Giovanni, was now the sole ruler of Milan. Giovanni's intention was to create a bit of a more peaceful situation. Not so much for the love of peace itself, but to have a few less headaches, considering he now had to take care of both the religious and civil power of the Signoria. He withdrew the troops that were already headed off to Genoa and managed to broker a temporary peace with almost all of northern Italy. He did manage to extend his non-military influence west when he brokered a peace between Count Amadeo VI of Savoy and the Marquis of Monferrato, becoming chummy with the House of Savoy at least for the moment, because they would also soon enter into the game of shifting alliances and enemies. We have mentioned the House of Savoy a couple of times now, and soon their time to have their own episode will come. After all, they will play a very important role in the future of Italy. That time, however, is still around five centuries away. Giovanni also did a pretty good job with marriage alliances, marrying off his nephew Galeazzo to Blanche of Savoy and his nephew Bernabò to Beatrice Regina della Scala. I'm really sorry to be chucking more names at you, but some of these are pretty important. Indeed, from the first marriage between Galeazzo and Blanche of Savoy, a young laddie called Gian Galeazzo would pop out. Well, you could say that if Lucchino represented the definitive passage from the communal system to that of the Signoria, Gian Galeazzo would be the first step towards Milan becoming a duchy. 
The other marriage, that of Bernabò to Beatrice Regina della Scala, meant the union of two powerful families in the area. Also, how cool is the name Beatrice Regina? Beatrix Regina. Awesome. Archbishop Giovanni would then live long enough to get in a tussle with the papacy over the city of Bologna that Pope Clement VI, like all popes, believed should be a part of the papal states, then to finally occupy, at least for a bit, the Maritime Republic of Genoa, before the King of France intervened and set everything back to the status quo. Archbishop Giovanni died on the 5th of October 1354 at the age of 64. At the time of his death, he held the following titles. Once again, feel free to forget them. Archbishop of Milan, Lord of Alba, Lord of Alessandria, Lord of Asti, Lord of Bellinzona, Lord of Bergamo, Lord of Brescia, Lord of Valcamonica, Lord of Bobbio, Lord of Como, Lord of Valtellina, Lord of Bormio, Lord of Crema, Lord of Cremona, Lord of Lecco, Lord of Lodi, Lord of Mondovi, Lord of Cuneo, Lord of Gerasco, Lord of Parma, Lord of Piacenza, Lord of Pontremoli, Lord of Tortona, Lord of Vercelli, Lord of Novara, Lord of Bologna, Lord of Genoa. Although in his last years the Archbishop had had a turbulent relationship with his three nephews, Matteo, Bernabò and Galeazzo, and they had been exiled for a time, the succession did pass to them in the end. Now, we lovers of history know that when power is divided between brothers, it's usually not a happy ending for one or more of said brothers. In this particular case, things didn't go too badly. Well, they did for Matteo, who was allegedly poisoned by his two brothers the year after, but then things between Galeazzo and Bernabò ran relatively smoothly since they had divided up their areas of influence. Next time, we'll see how the brothers got on. We'll get the Pope back in the game, because, let's face it, you can't have fun without him, and why not even drag in the next Holy Roman Emperor, because we just love it when they come marching down, don't we? Thanks very much to you for listening. Thanks also to my Patreon supporters. Starting from the first part of the Margarita Hack and Galileo Galilei level, Anthony G, Brian J, Carrie W, Celine, Chanel, Chris, David L, Dean V, Douglas, Emily B, Federica R, Francesco A, Gabriel S, Greg, Ignazio, Il Valentino, James C, Jeff M, Jeffrey W, Joseph S, Juan, and Julia G. And of course, the tippy top, Maria Montessori and Dante Ligieri level, Paolo, Lisa K, JW, Andrew M, Brandon S, David A, Peter W, Kevin O, David L, Rinat, and Sen. It's been a while, so we have some new arrivals to thank very, very much for joining, and that is. Marcelo, Jason M, thanks to Marcus for increasing his pledge. Welcome, welcome to Emily B and Gary S. Remember, if you are feeling so inclined, you can get in touch. Hello at ahistoryofitaly.com for comments, questions, or whatever you like. 
at the same URL, a history of Italy.com. You can click through to our social media, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, or on Instagram, or you could click through to our support page and become a Patreon supporter and have access to extra content or support us via good old PayPal. I thank you very much, whatever you decide to do. And the most important thing of all is to continue to listen to our little podcast and share with your friends if you enjoy it. Thanks again, and until next time, arrivederci. Hello, comrades. Uh, mind if I line up here with you? No, no, come on. Where are you from, then? I'm from the Parma contingent. Parma, eh? Are we allies, then? Uh, I think so. What day is it? It's Thursday. Uh, okay, then, we, we should be allies. Uh, we were sold to you on Monday. I thought that you were supposed to be sold to us on Monday, but then you were sold to Ferrara on Tuesday. Ah, really? Ah, oh, I, I must have missed the message. Well, does that make us allies or enemies then? Who are those people we're facing over there? Aren't they from Ferrara? I thought they were from Mantua. I, I heard that Mantua was on your side. They were this morning. Uh, no, look, that's them over there behind you. Oh, yeah, so they are. So hold on. If you've been our enemy since Tuesday, you shouldn't be here. You should be staring us down from the other side. Ah, um, you're not going to uh, kill me or anything, are you? No, you're white. Ah, oh, phew. Thanks, that, that's, that's really good of you. Yeah, we're not actually a fighting contingent. What? We never really fight. Ah, I see. So, um, not to be rude or anything, but what is the point of having an army that doesn't fight? Ah, we're the stand and stare contingent. The what now? Stand and stare contingent. They bring us out when the lords don't really want a proper fight, but just to show up. Ah, and... That happens a lot then, does it? All the time. Um, why is that then? Well, it makes perfect sense, really. Imagine you are a lord and you are enemies with a city on the Monday. Then on the Tuesday you are allies and they asked for your help. Considering that probably on Wednesdays you'll be the enemies again, what's the point of getting a load of soldiers killed on Tuesday that you will need on the Wednesday to fight against your enemy? That was your ally on the Tuesday. Uh, yes, I suppose that would be silly. There you are. You see, that's where we come in. We just show up. Stare down the enemy for a bit and then off we go for tea time. What happens if you show up and face a fighting contingent? Well, that happens at times, but you can usually run away quite fast. 
You see, we don't actually have proper armor. It's all painted on. Interesting. So, um, how does one join the stop and stare contingent? You can't. You have to be from Milan. Uh, I am. I thought you said you were from Parma. Did I say that? Um, I meant Milan. Sentire media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.